And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. I'm reading at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, 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 now. Hello and welcome to Eastcast. I'm Nia Charpentier, and I'll be here for the next hour with Pearl Wise, Melanie Brown and Anna Xavier to bring you the best in arts and culture from East London. Thanks to everyone who got in touch after the last show via Twitter and Facebook at Eastcast Show. We always like to hear from you, so do get in touch and drop us a line or a tweet. Now, we have a great show lined up for you, and it's a very theatrical one too, as we will be meeting two theatre companies. Yep, that was Big House Theatre Company and they are back noisier than ever. The cast is made up of young people who are in or have been in the care system and we'll be hearing about their second production a bit later on. I don't know, you know, fam. I mean, what does an African look like? Oh, no, an African, isn't it? But if you check it, though, fam, I mean, you could be African. Hey, shut up, bruv. Ronald's ain't that big. Be a lips are hey, dickhead, bruv. What did I say? And that was a clip from Gone Too Far, directed by Destiny Ikaraga, one of the many films being shown at the Birdseye Film Festival starting on the 8th of April. So we'll find out more about that a bit later in the show. Well, I met a group of cyclists that has found a very particular way of getting people into riding. And music, Pearl, what do you have? As usual, lots of music on the show from bands and artists all playing in East London over the next fortnight. And, of course... We are not confined by genres. Um, we'll be hearing sounds from Greaves, Diane Cluck, Smoke Fairies, Polar Bear. And let's get things going with Malian artist Salif Keita.
That was Salif Keita with C'est Bon, C'est Bon, one of his more poppy songs recorded on the Parisian label Ya Basta. He actually moved to Paris in the 80s and became known as the golden voice of Africa and has released countless albums over the years. And um, when I was looking for something to play on the show, I was actually amazed how many dance remixes and reworks there are out there. Um, I had no idea he was so popular in the dance music world. So hmm. it's quite an interesting Always thing. Always learning. Yeah. Um, so Salif Keita will be playing at the Barbican on Tuesday the 8th of April. So Anna, you had a random bike encounter the other day. Yeah, I was cycling around Victoria Park last Saturday and I came across a group of superheroes paddling to the sound of catchy music. And considering East London's reputation for unexpected scenarios, I wasn't surprised. So I went to investigate what was the gathering about. Hi, I'm Anthony. I'm from Cycle Hoop and uh, we run some rides called I Bike London. And these uh, happen every month uh, on a weekend, uh, on a Saturday, uh, where we do day rides and night rides. And uh, we take people around London exploring places they haven't been to before. How many people did you get involved so far and when did it start? We started the rides about two years ago. It started with about only 10 people. Uh, and it's now grown to rides which are 100, 150 people. So is it just happening in East London or do you guys depart from one specific place and go around? Uh, we often start in East London, but also start from uh, central London near Hyde Park. In East London, we always start at Victoria Park by the pavilion. We always go down the canals, go through really um, you know, old areas. So what's, what's the main goal? Well, the main goal is um, we just want more people cycling. We want to show other people how fun cycling is how uh, it's a great way to explore London. All of us are cyclists in my company, Cycle Hoop, and uh, we design bike parking. So uh, we started doing these rides because um, it's something we're very passionate about, and it's really good fun. You are currently dressing up as a Power Ranger, the red one, actually. Uh, so this time is uh, themed superheroes. Are they any other ones? Yes, we've done a Halloween ride, and so everyone's in their you know, Halloween outfit. We've done um, Oktoberfest ride, so everyone's wearing their, obviously, lederhosen. And um, we've done a Christmas ride with all our Santa outfits, so we do themed rides because it's fun. You get to dress up and, you know, do something crazy, and on, it's on a bike, so it's even more fun. Um, any great stories so far? Well, no one's fallen in the canal. Which can happen quite often, as people would imagine. Yes, uh, that's one of the risks. <laughs> But no, uh, we've had uh, two people meet on a ride and now they're married and they're having kids. So um, that's awesome. yeah, it's great. We're doing the next night ride on the 26th of April and we do a bridges ride where we cross every single bridge in London uh, from the east to the west and that's, uh, that's really good fun. If people want to join in, where can they go? Uh, you can find out more about our ride on our website. Uh, it's www.ibikelondon.com or if you go to Facebook, it's iBikeLondon. So it sounds a little bit like uh, another similar group called Critical Mass, which I've been to a few times. And actually, the last one I went to was Halloween, and I hadn't really thought out my costume, so I, I just got some fake blood from a pound shop and then got a cheap bandage from Boots and did a sort of, uh, you know, a fake wound around my head. And when I was going round, somebody uh, who was waiting at a traffic light uh, said, oh, are you trying to raise awareness about all the uh, accidents that happen <laughs> on the roads? I was like, oh, no, actually, this is, yeah. my, uh, this is my costume. Well, it did seem realistic then. <laughs> yeah, now exactly. you've mentioned it, I'm also doing that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's nice when people get out and about. It's just, it is dependent on numbers, though. I think there's a certain number where it's nice 
and then but if it's too big it gets yeah, it can become a, a bit, bit dangerous and then if it's too small you can't really stop the traffic and so it doesn't really work so it's about getting those numbers right i think yeah and, and especially on saturday it was such a nice weather that i think it would it would be great joining them that day even though there were there was a superman there was a ninja turtle you know they did so proper proper costumes yeah like proper costumes series. But they seemed like they were having loads of fun, especially Did because they had E.T. Oh, yeah. They could have just cycled off. Oh, that would be awesome. Clearly. And did they have any music playing? Yeah, they yeah. did have some speakers attached to a bike, which oh, I thought I that. that wouldn't be possible because the, spe- the speaker was amazingly big. But they did they ha- have loads of people, you know, getting um, flyers and stuff, which I think, you know, is, is, is great fun if you can show people that you can have great time cycling. Definitely. Right, uh, next something from the Smoke Fairies. Um, they, Always amazing names, man. <laughs> yeah, they're Catherine um, Blame and Jessica Davies and um, they reveal the first track from their self-titled third studio album Smoke Fairies and the album is due to be released on the 14th of April um, and it's on the full-time hobby label Um, they're showcasing the album at Rough Trade East on Tuesday the 15th of April so you can go and catch them there so this is Smoke Fairies with Eclipse them all.
Eclipse Them All by Smoke Fairies. Now, you may have passed the rather large church on Shoreditch High Street where they film the TV programme Rev. It's called St Leonard's, and I popped in there last week to meet the Malachite Theatre Company who are performing The Merchant of Venice there. And I spoke to um, director Benjamin Blythe and actors Martin Prest and Stephen Conway Brown. So, what, what did you think about the play? We thought it was really good. We thought this was a, an amazing venue. We thought it was superbly acted and really, 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 really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was great. Particularly enjoyed uh, Shylock and how he portrayed that character. I thought, yeah, it was really modern. And um, have you, yeah, have you ever watched anything in this space before? No, oh, only the Rev on TV. I'm afraid we're from Cornwall we're from and we've come all the way from Cornwall to see it. <laughs> Ben, why did you choose to, to set the play in this East End church? Well, we, this is our second show in the space. The first we did was even less appropriate for a holy space. We did Titus Andronicus. So last time we were raping people and cutting tongues out and there was blood all over the floor that we had to mop up and human pie every night. Martin, you were telling me a little bit about the historical sort of relation with um, Shakespeare and the East End. Yeah, it's incredible. A lot of the actors that Shakespeare himself actually worked with are from this part of London. The theatre and the curtain were in this part of London as well, and actors like um, Richard Burbage are buried here, his father's here as well, and a whole host of actors who worked with Shakespeare are buried here in this church, and it's just such a rich history. And for those who don't know who Richard Burbage was, who, who was he? Richard Burbage was the original Hamlet, the original Romeo, uh, he, he was Shakespeare's leading man. Oh, there's a little mouse just disappearing beneath the flagstone. So what, what was it like playing in a space like this? I love the building. I think it's a character in its own, yeah. uh, own right. The, the peeling paintwork. And it, it feels very Italian, Venetian or Neapolitan. And it's, you, you feel the, the wood, the old, old oak. Yeah, it, it just feels so right. Just, rather than a black box theatre. 
So, so you don't really have to make that extra effort to believe that you're here because you feel you definitely are here. It really creates the, the environment. All that glisters is not gold. Oh, often have you heard that told. Many a man his life have sold, but my outside to behold. Gilded tombs to worms enfold. The space, it helps you bring just that little bit extra or think a little bit in a different creative way because of the space or something that's brought to it because of um, how you're all feeling about where you are. When I'm directing, I tend to try and build up from the text, from what we have, rather than overlay anything as possible. Uh, we have here an amazing space with loads of levels that we can play with. Um, we have, like an incredible rich history. But in terms of what the text tells us, that's remained the same for 400 years. Every actor playing Shylock or Solanio, Morocco even, have had the same problems. They found the same things within the text and tried to overcome them in their own way. So the Venice that we found came from the actors, fitted in with, chimed in entirely with what's going on now, um, with the anonymous movement and things like that. So yeah, I think that's something beautiful about the context of Shakespeare's Venice. And anywhere, any major city in the world today that people look up to. But we, we didn't start with a, a base concept, you know, this is set in a prison or this is the 1940s. We just built it up from the text. And you can absolutely do that despite the fact it's 400 years old. You know, it's still just people. So because we're a contemporary cast, we can put our own own view onto the, the words that are there and the feelings that are there. They, the look of the character, the movement, everything came out, was built up bottom up by these actors and they're, such, they're so real and so human. The organic rehearsal process, I, I think it's very brave not to have made... There's no decisions, my understanding is, up front, really, about the design, about the period, about the style... He said, well, we'll just see what happens, what the cast can bring, and then it grew out of that. And I think we're not forcing an interpretation on it. It just grew, and so that's why I've, perhaps it feels just like telling a natural story very organically. So, so no one feels uncomfortable. People feel truly comfortable because they've created the world that we inhabit. You have rented me about my usances and my monies. Still have I borne it with a patient shrug. For sufferance is the badge of all our tribe. You call me misbeliever, cutthroat dog. Well then, it now appears you need my help. So the play runs until the 19th of April and you can find out more about the Malachite Theatre on their Facebook page and get tickets either on the door or on the Sea Tickets website. Sounds amazing. You might get to see the little mouse again. Oh, I hope so. It's very cute. I mean, it is an amazing space. It's definitely worth seeing something performed there. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to try and link this, but there's no way, really. So just from one thing to another, I think is the best way to go forward now. Um, New York-based singer-songwriter Diane Cluck um, has got quite a cult following um, and she actually released a fan-funded project where songs were delivered to subscribers every week, and that's how she um, got her songwriting skills and her and 
created a whole new base of songs for her. Sounds album. really cool. Yeah. Um, she's actually got a two-day residency at Cafe Otto, and she'll be accompanied by classically trained cellist Isabel Castelvi. And that's on Friday the 11th of April and Saturday the 12th of April. Um, hurry up and get tickets because she has got a lot of fans in London um, who are dying to see her. It sold out completely last year when she was here. So um, this is Diane Cluck with Sarah. Thank you. 
That was Sarah by Diane Cluck. And keeping on the bird theme, I met Joe Duncan from the Bird's Eye View Film Festival, which will be happening next week in cinemas all across London with a Girls, Guns, Artists, Icons theme. events marketing and PR manager for Bird's Eye View Film Festival which is um, an international festival that kind of showcases and supports the work of women filmmakers from around the world. We run year-round training events programs and we also do a yearly film festival which takes place every spring um, at venues across London including uh, the BFI, the Barbican, Curzon Soho, the ICA, uh, the Electric Cinema. Lots of cinemas across London. Yeah. And how, how long has the festival been running for? So the festival is now in its 10th year. Um, so it's a very sort of exciting year for us. And we're under a new creative director, Kate Gerover. So we are kind of moving the festival in lots of new and exciting ways. Um, and introduce lots of new training programmes through the year as well. So there's sort of lots of development for the festival this year. So we'll move on to the festival in a minute, but I'm intrigued by these training programmes. Can you tell me a bit more about what you what you do? Sure. Um, so the main training programme that we've been running this year is called Filmonomics, um, and it's kind of it's supported by a creative skill set. And the idea is to take a very close look at the relationship between your creative project, your film, and the kind of finances of getting it off the ground and making it a really viable career option um, for people. And so we are working with uh, ten teams of, of filmmaking pairs and we've programmed a series of talks throughout the year starting in January and finishing up in the festival which the public can also attend Um, lots of different programmes that look at the strategy and the economy behind making a film so anything from um, working with visual assets to understanding your finances um, we've kind of covered everything through through the six sessions Is is there a female focus there or is it for these is this for anyone? It's an imperative that every filmmaking team that's on the programme has at least one woman. So one okay. of the two people have to be a woman. And we try to make sure that all of our panels uh, are at least 50% women. Because that's something that you will notice um, in the film industry is that often panels are very much dominated by male speakers, male filmmakers, male producers. Um, so that's something that this programme is trying to address. Why do you think there are so few women panels and behind the behind the scenes in filmmaking I really think it's to do with a sort of long term social norm the fact that there are so few women directors to start with is obviously part of a huge kind of patriarchal matrix but actually nowadays I think one of the issues is that there are fewer women at the helm and fewer women visible giving talks and presenting their work. So it's harder for younger women who are coming up through the ranks to see a role model or see somebody that's achieved um, and for them, therefore, to think, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And I do genuinely think that the issue is actually that, that there are not enough role models out there. So you think that it's just young women just don't see it as a possibility? So if they want to work in the film industry, they... 
won't necessarily go for the kind of more directing or the bigger producing yeah. those positions. They, they, there's a sort of glass ceiling. If you look at the statistics, that's that's the issue that there are something like six percent of films made last year were made by women and um, in 1998 the statistic was slightly higher so it's actually dropping Um, so those are the cold hard facts and that's the kind of reality that we're facing which is you know I often have people say to me well isn't the fact that you work for a women's film festival sexist because you're just representing one gender and isn't that a kind of negative response but actually it really is an issue it really really is so we kind of and I would love for Bird's Eye View not to have to exist but the facts are that there aren't enough women showcasing their work there aren't enough women talking about their work and if we can address that then perhaps we can address the underlying issue of there not being enough women actually wanting or feeling empowered to enter those jobs as a festival we we don't program work because they're directed by women we program work based on the quality so we look for quality work and I think you can find I mean our our program this year has such a vast range of films it's incredible and I think it goes against a lot of people's assumptions that films made by women are just filled with lots of you know girly chat and fluffy pink I mean that's just rubbish that's not true you know some of the films on this programme like Nothing Bad Can Happen a film by a German director called Catherine Gebb and it's you know it was a film that premiered at Cannes last year and it was so controversial people got up and walked out because it's really brutal and unforgiving as a film and I think it's quite surprising for a lot of people that it's made by a woman director but my feeling is that it's only through kind of received assumptions about what female directors do and what male directors do that we have, you know, we have an idea that there are very different ways that men and women make films. So, you know, it doesn't make sense for there to be 50% of the population female and, you know, 90% of films, you know, coming from one particular gender perspective, let's say. So to move into the festival, um, what do you recommend um, <laughs> uh, for this? Because it, it starts on, on the 8th of April. 8th of April. Um, right. Our opening night film is on the 8th of April. Um, it's called In Bloom. Um, it's a really, really beautiful film kind of exploring uh, the Georgian Civil War through the story of two young girls. One of my personal favourites is Pine Ridge, which is directed by a Danish director called Anna Eborn, and it's all about a Native American reservation called Pine Ridge. Um, It's really honestly and beautifully shot film, and just one of those films that you come away from just feeling completely in awe of, of her craft but also of the story that you've you've heard and of a kind of area of American culture and society that often gets overlooked mm-hmm. um, I've, I've mentioned Nothing Bad Can Happen which is German film and it's a story of a Christian fundamentalist who goes to live with um, a family of, of Jesus freaks in the punk movement in, in Hamburg and it he steadily becomes a victim of emotional and psychological and physical torture. Uh, it's really, really b- brutal film, uh, and it's being followed by uh, a Q and A with the director Catherine Gibb, 
and also um, that Q&A is hosted by Andrew Simpson who is the head programmer of the East End Film Festival. For real sort of cinema lovers I think that's a really exciting uh, film and event to go to. And, and people obviously can just go onto your website yeah. um, which is... Which is birds-i-view.co.uk Okay and just to sum up what is great about the Bird's Eye View Festival? Why is why is it the one to go to now? It's just, um, I think it's a stunning display of stories from around the world. I think that's what I would say. <laughs> Thanks, Joe, from the Bird's Eye View Film Festival. Thank you. Wow, I was really surprised to hear that only 6% of film directors are female. That's yeah. sad. It's, and it's shocking. Down. <laughs> since, you know, in the last decade, it's very depressing. It is, which is why it's great. Hopefully this will inspire a new generation of I hope so, yeah. I hope so. But it's not just the people making the films that are very sort of patriarchally led. It's also the the films themselves and the, and the cast yeah. and the stars. And I was, um, I don't know if you've ever, have you heard of the Bechdel Test? No, it's quite, no, it's quite interesting. It's basically a way of sort of thinking about the films you watch and finding out whether they are very misogynistic, basically. And then it's just a way of analysing them. So you have to think of a, your favourite film or one of one of the films you've seen recently that you've enjoyed, and it's got to have two female characters in it who talk to each other and who talk to each other about something other than a man. And it is frightening how many films don't don't fulfil that criteria. Pearl, what have you seen recently? Oh, I was just thinking, the first thing that popped into my head was Nymphomaniac. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually a conversation between a woman and a man and is all about men and sex, so... Uh -uh. Fail. Um, Favourite film, recent film, is probably Dallas Buyers Club. And that, I think, only has sort of one central female figure in it so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about one but then I remembered I, I recently watched The Extraordinary Life of Walter Mitty mm-hmm. that's yeah and yeah it's yeah <laughs> men <laughs> <laughs> they all fail it's, it's frightening how many films just don't fulfill quite a basic criteria of having two women in it yeah, and, and about something other than men yeah recently then, that's why The Hunger Games was so popular that because it's a female um, character who's the lead character and she does have um, she does have like guys there's guys involved but it, it's about her being a strong character and she's the one that leads and you know yeah um, there was what... I think it was in Sweden they made a shot or something about um, that as well I wonder whether the stats are the same with TV because a lot of the the recent sort of series that have come out have had more sort of female roles like The Killing and Homeland and that kind of thing. So I wonder whether there's a difference. That's true. I think there is probably a divide between Hollywood which seems particularly Mm. skewed towards men Mm. Um, and maybe TV, as you say, is a bit better. So the Bird's Eye View Film Festival will be starting on Tuesday the 8th of April so this week it will be on every day until Sunday there'll be films playing all over London so definitely worth checking out um so uh, the next track is by a man <laughs> we've had oh, no. quite a few that's no. loud it's yeah loud. no exactly and we've had like some nice female voices so now we're gonna have um something from um 
Seattle-born hip-hop crossover artist Greaves, um, who's just released his fourth album, Winter and the Wolves. Um, Sorry, what does he mean, crossover I was, artist? I was going to ask that. That's very well. interesting. What does he mean? Well, he's like he's not hip-hop as you know it. That okay. is what I'm, I'm... He mixes genres, then. He does mix genres, oh. and it's you'll see in a minute. Hip-hopera. Um, I'm actually... So, yeah, he's, um, he's just released uh, this track, Serpents, from that... Uh, fourth album and you'll see he's got a pretty unique style um, he com- combines humour and gloom with rap and acoustic instruments and um, he's as comfortable in a lumberjack shirt as he is with loads of tattoos and piercings so he's got that kind of double edge to him um, and he's on a European tour at the moment uh, to promote the album and he'll be stopping at Oslo on Wednesday the 9th so this is Greaves with Serpents. I was in the second grade when you pushed me out the third story window to the bushes down below. Breathing in the cold as I tumbled through the vines, thorns smiling at my throat. I, I saw the devil in you that day, huh? looking down on me with that face. Smiling like you would have hit my body in the basement, body in the basement. But you got something that the world's been running from for way too long, and it's a sick twist. A nervous little twitch Dragging the razor across my wrist And you got something that the world's been trying to hide Desionide Cause the only thing you told me was They'd never find my body in the basement Body in the basement, no Every time I think about you now I go crazy People ask me about you I don't know what to say Cause I don't know who you are It's even possible for you to escape this People asking about you They don't know what to tell me They don't know where you are I was listening through the wall When you met your monsters Heard them break the closet door And take you away Hoping you would change Like the color of the moonlight Bouncing off the rain I, I heard the devil in you that day Watch the world around you cascade Laughing like you would have fed your family to the serpent Family to the serpent You got something that the world won't talk about They walk around it It's deep sleep Crawling in the street Pushing the bayonet into me You got something that the world keeps trapped inside Your aconite cups I watched you turn around and go and try to feed your family to the serpent Family to the serpent hole These words won't break on you I know I've done my best hell so many times before These words won't break on you I know I've done my best of hell, yeah. Every 
time I think about you Now I go crazy People ask me about you I don't know what to say Cause I don't know who you are I, I wonder if it's even possible For you to escape this People asking about you They don't know what to tell me They don't know where you are Cost and this is NTS Live. Um, you just heard Grease with Serpents. So now, want to get on board with East Coast? So let us know events that we should cover, initiatives that change your local lives, and cool stuff just happening in East London. Tweet us at East Coast Show or check our Facebook page. Um, but we've got more coming up. Mia, what's next? So, you might remember last year I spoke to a theatre company working specifically with young care leavers, and they are back now with a second production. So they're still tackling issues around the care system, but from a completely different angle and with a brand new cast. I'm Maggie Norris, I'm the CEO and artistic director of Big House. So Maggie, we were here in this very spot last year. We uh, were. In the run-up to Phoenix, which was the Big House's first production. And I went to see it, and I, I was blown away. I thought the acting was incredible. I thought the, the the writing, the scripts were great, and then and the way you used the space in the Hackney Down Studios was was brilliant. I loved Thank it. You. So I'm Thank very you. excited that you're doing a new production. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, we're working with the same writer, Andy Day, uh, on Babylon. The process is similar in that the stories have emerged from the group, although it's a new group of people that we're working with, so nobody from the last group are in it. Um, it's, it's very exciting because you go on a completely different journey, and it's quite frenetic at the moment because uh, the script came sort of at the last minute, isn't it? And it's all about the care system, and the first production was uh, about a young woman in care and her, and her experiences of it, but this one's a slightly different angle, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I don't know how much of the story we should give away, but um, the central character, Madeline, has um, had a child taken from her in the past and then discovers that she's pregnant again and goes on the run. So it's following her journey. And can I just bring in a couple of members of the cast? My name is Jason, Jason Rock, and um, I'm playing a character called Luke in the play. I'm Osman Enver, or Ozzy or Oz for short. I'm actually working as Maggie's um, assistant at the moment, and I was in Phoenix previously as a movement director on the rerun. That got five-star reviews, which was really good, um, really great to see. Yeah, and currently... Um, I've been trying to open up my own care home as well. My name is Bobby. I am playing Madeleine. And how have you found it? Stressful. It's interesting when you get a script that is born out of a collection of everybody's experience because you don't consciously identify with it when you're reading it, but you know that there's common threads that go throughout the group. Like Maggie's uses that word journey, it's really it's a really nice way of explaining it because you... You really do experience those emotional ups and downs. And can you see any parallels between the characters in the play and your own lives? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, 
going and delving back into emotions that you've not looked at and use it, drawing on emotions to properly act. And um, the, the work that Maggie brings out of you is definitely a release. And just, just drawing on them emotions and, and, and going to places that you've suppressed and, and you kind of was a bit too painful to look into, it's, it's being brought out and you can use that to express yourself and, and sort of use the negative energies of that and, and turn them into positives. I personally love the big house because you go through this journey with Maggie and Andy and all the other cast members before you go into rehearsal. And there's something about going into a scene um, where you do relate to it, you feel very supported that that is something that's being highlighted and something that needs to change. So particularly in Madeleine's case, there's, there's, there's a, quite a few scenes where for me I'm relating personally to it and I'll become really blocked Consciously, yes, I know there are there are certain instances or experiences you have in your life where you think, you know what, that wasn't a great time. But you have to, you have to get on, you have to survive and you have to move past it. Um, and it, that does inform who you are as you grow and you develop. And it's not always great to look back and feel re-traumatised, but there is something you just think, I don't want to open that box, I'm, I'm going to avoid that. Maggie's really supportive, the big house is really supportive in, it, in being able to push through that and it's from a platform that is artistic so it's in a language it's really universal people are going to understand it and I'm very much protected no one's going to know from seeing a play what's been my experience what hasn't been my experience and that's really important for me anyway as a care leaver and even saying that out loud is really hard when I first met Maggie it's not something I wanted to say there's a lot of shame with it and you're playing the lead role is, is acting something you want to do no <laughs> <laughs> So I begged Maggie she for it. She begged and begged yeah, to play was, this part. You know, and, the, and now I'm, I'm on my back foot a little bit. Like, I can't do it, I don't want to do it. And Maggie's given me the space to go through that as an experience because I think definitely from my experience of being in care, I just I want to be invisible. I don't want to be seen. So begging Maggie for it is the most uncomfortable thing for me to do, but it's the challenge that I most need in my life in order to move forward from it. When I came to the Phoenix, I was really blown away just because... A lot of those things are just, they go unspoken. You leave this care at such a tumultuous time and at this age, and then you're just sent into the world. So when I saw the phoenix, having not really ever spoken about care, ever, I was just like, oh my God. I just felt as though Maggie or Andy had been in my brain. And you just laugh, and you can tell who the care leavers are in the audience, because they laugh at the, the key points, mm. when it's actually a deep sadness, and that, that's not funny, but it is funny. <laughs> and I brought some of my family along because it was important for, for them to see it because sometimes I can't articulate what it is that I've experienced. It's sort of even braver in a way to sort of tackle the, the, the issue from the, the parent side of things because there's probably even less public sympathy for the parent than there is the child, I imagine. Is that something that you um, come across at all? That's very common. Uh, and there's a cycle of looked-after children, having their children taken from them. It's, it's not about... I don't think the play's here to try and get some sort of sympathy or, or some predetermined reaction from, from people. It's just about an understanding. If people are listening, what can they expect from the play? I think it's pretty explosive. <laughs> I think there's nowhere else in London that's putting on a show like this. How about you? One word to describe it? <laughs> One word to describe the show? Yeah. Fireworks. Truthful. It's truth. It's the truth. Epic. Big house! Hey, Maggie. Turn up! 
So that is running from the 14th of April to the 3rd of May, and tickets start from £5. And it's a promenade performance in the Hackney Down studios, and I really recommend going. It sounds really interesting, and I think what she said about um, the anonymity of it is that these are all sort of shared and lived experiences, but the fact that it isn't necessarily yours or said as yours Mm. is is a really powerful thing for those people to, to be in as well. Definitely. Don't forget, you can catch us every other Monday morning at 8 o'clock on NTS, or you can catch us anytime on eastcarshow.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Now, it is that time of the show where we bring you the best picks of what's happening around East London in the coming weeks. You can see them all online on our website, eastcarshow.com, as well as via our Twitter updates. So, Nia, what have you got in store for us? Well, quite a lot of different stuff, uh, in not any particular order, really. I'll start off at Rich Mix, 12th and 13th of April. It will be a weekend dedicated to electronic music. So production workshops happening all weekend, talks, panel discussions, that kind of thing. Prices vary from £8 for a morning pass to £60 for the whole weekend. So if that's your thing, head there. Uh, completely different now for the green fingered out there spring is here and if you need a little bit of help getting your garden or whatever little green space you have into shape then the Dalston Curve Garden are giving away free compost really? (laughs) that's actually something that's very hard to find the other day I bought a plant I was like where am I going to find the rest of (laughs) things that I need so is it for free cool it is it's free uh sunday the 13th of april 11 till three o'clock and i imagine you know first come first serve so get down there and next up east 17 designers which are a, a group a collective of independent designers based in walthamstow they're putting on their spring craft fair on sunday the 13th as well up in walthamstow and that's in the asian center from two till six p.m it's just £2 entry, and that includes a drink and entry into the prize draw. I've actually been there last time um, they put one there. It was it was actually quite packed. Mm. There was a massive queue to get in. And I must say that I wasn't expecting that because it's in a... It, it's Yeah, it's, it's like convert church into a kindergarten or small <laughs> okay. or school. So it's, it's quite funny that you're walking around between these let's call them stalls really or tables with people selling their amazing stuff and then you see all these children's um, drawers in the walls which is adorable someone was like oh I love that picture yeah, that one's yeah. great how much is that 20p yeah they've got some great designers there so some really unusual stuff and then also at Rich Mix on April the 24th there's a screening direct from the British Museum's major new exhibition all about Vikings and that's at 7pm on the 24th of April and tickets cost £11 I'm going to hand you over to Anna now because she's got some treats yeah Um, if you thought about um, you know I need to know where to go for food on Monday the 14th of April um, it's organised by the Trainee Chef, a pop-up event which will be an experimental evening of cooking authentic and contemporary Russian cuisine everyone's talking about Russia right at the moment so obviously I think that 
you know, I think we don't know enough about Russia, and this is actually a good a good thing to go because there will this will be a hands on um, class with a bit of ex- a bit experimental, so you can eat and learn about a Russian sallow, which is cured slabs of fat back. Yeah, what's fat back? <laughs> pork, pork. I'm sorry. Um, and I googled it, and it looks amazing. It looks really, really yummy. Um, you can also learn how to cook salmon a la Kiev and uh, Balt- Baltic traffic. Truffles, sorry. And you'll be dining with people that um, have been there before and enjoying some wine. Tickets cost £60, starts at 6.30pm. And now completely different. Um, For creative people that um, might need some inspiration or, you know, guidance. On Wednesday the 16th, Moonfruit's designers will be talking about the foundations of great design. So this involves choosing colour schemes, the importance of fonts, um, layout proportions and how to find proper images, you know, to fit in whatever you're doing. This happens at the box park from 7.30. It's free, but there's not that many vacancies. So just head to our website to find out how to have a seat on that. Um, Thursday, 17th of April, music and comedy night at the Genesis Cinema. So the best talent in East London um, will be there. Um, Edinburgh performers, international comedians, as well as new comedians, they will be, you know, performing for the first time, um, will happen at 7.30pm. You can get your ticket for free. Um, you need to head out to our website as well. So, I think this has been all that we have for you on Listings-wise. So, um, you can always uh, go to our website or tweet us or go on our Facebook to let us know about cool stuff happening. So no excuses to stay indoors. No excuses, especially (laughs) the weather's so amazing. Exactly. All right, so um, at the end of the show, you're going to hear something from the London-based post-jazz outfit, um, who actually played at Oxo Wyo last week, um, so we missed that one. But I thought I'd play you something from their new album anyway, which is called In Each and Every One, and it's released released on the Leaf label. Um, so, yes, I'm going to play that at the end of the show. So there's just enough time before we go to say we've been Eastcast, recorded this week in Pearlwise's living room. We're on NTS every other Monday, but in the meantime, you can catch us anytime on eastcastshow.com or on iTunes, or watch out for our regular updates on Facebook and Twitter. So thanks for listening, and we'll leave you with Be Free by Polar Bear.